Two Humorous Nurses would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record the podcast, the Yorty Ordination. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are listening today. Always was, always will be. Humorous Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. The podcast that always does a team timeout. Do we? We do a team timeout. Should we time out now? The name sure. of the episode is uh, and... Operating Room Stories. Present <laughs> I Kelly. Have done a team timeout in that while. <laughs> I wouldn't even know what to do anymore. I just time out. <laughs> do you give consent? And you're looking at people that are talking, you're full on giving them eye contact, like, shut the fuck up, doing team time. <laughs> no wonder no one liked me when I worked in theatre. Yeah, exactly. Nah. <laughs> I did love I did love that there were just so many rules in theatre. It was very black and white. It suited my yeah, personality very well. Absolutely. Hate grey yeah. areas, hate anything ambiguous or <laughs> up for interpretation sometimes. <laughs> I think it depends on the setting actually. Anyway, that's I don't yeah. know already. <laughs> We've two lines in and I'm already fucked. <laughs> Haven't even finished the intro. <laughs> oh yeah. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses. We say to bring you funny informed <laughs> conversational chat about all things nursing. Oh my god, Kelly, are you still high uh, from your C V D gummy? So funny. Uh, high from the positive COVID test this morning, maybe. <laughs> yes, yeah, so tell us why we're doing a Zencaster um, recording. We're doing a remote recording because my daughter went to school and came home with COVID. Are you sure it wasn't your trip to Melbourne? <laughs> well, I, we're all negative, so. Oh, yeah. But you're yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Triple backs, baby. I've got mm. 5G flowing through me. Um, anyway, so they implanted like, something into my armpit. It's been that sore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. that means I don't need to take my Medicare card anywhere anymore. They can just zap me. <laughs> Your arm up and they can scare you. <laughs> like we do with dogs. <laughs> she belongs here. <laughs> if you get lost, just <laughs> Wow, we've Bring started your two... a bit got lost again. Yeah. <laughs> two minutes in and here we are. So today's episode, we're going to get elbows deep in one that's very close to our hearts. Yeah, stories from the operating table or the operating room, I guess, or theatres. Yeah, theatre. Um, or according it? to one article I found, doctors detail their biggest oh shit moments. <laughs> I read that article too. <laughs> I know, actually, I went through your notes and I was like... Oh, we've clearly found a lot of the same <laughs> stories. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean, let's get into it, I guess. I think yeah. we've got a few we've got a few stories from good old Reddit. 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 And, um, I think and we'll just uh discuss a few of our own experiences. I think yeah. it is just so special. It's just such a I yep. mean, they say that it's a specialist area, but it really is just so special. It's totally I different. I thought I was going to hate theater. Same. But I, I went a trained monkey could do it. Yeah. I was like, Probably still true. <laughs> the grad person was like, on um, the grad corner, she was like, cardiac or theatre? And I went, ugh, hate hearts. Theatre it is. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and I, I didn't like anaesthetics. I managed to weasel my way out of the anaesthetic rotation real quick. I didn't like recovery. And 
I loved recovery. I know. I love Scrub Scout. Loved it. It was so much fun. And I'm so glad I got to spend five years in there doing it. It was so good. I still think I will end up there, you know. In back in theatre? Yeah. Not probably not where we work now. Nah, I I wouldn't. Nah. I think I'd want to be big. I like big stuff. And I hate ortho and we do so much ortho. (laughs) Yeah, I'd want to do just um yeah, big stuff for a while and then, you know, end up in a skin clinic or something when I'm yeah. ancient. <laughs> Lumps and bumps. <laughs> My granddad was an orthopedic surgeon mm. and he used to tell me that he went into ortho because he loved tools and he oh, loved right. working with things. And so, mm. you know, like you screwdrivers and drills and saws and everything in mm. ortho. So, yeah, but I, he, yeah, I just... There's something about a a calm operating room with everybody doing their job and helping the surgeons mm. and like there's something magical about being inside someone's body. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect it to go that way. <laughs> you're just talking about how calm it is and then you're like inside somebody's body. I love it. I love seeing the human body from the inside Mm. Out. But I am. Um, I'm surprised. I'm. I loved doing any kind of lap surgery as much as like once you've set up the tool, the equipment. Like you don't really do that much. But um, lap stuff just made me seasick. I just loved. I was so fascinated by. I don't know anything. Even arthroscopies. I loved. I love watching arthroscopies. Like yeah. Just, once With you've the set munches. up, you just get to sit there and watch and wait. Like, They're so messy though. All that water. Oh. Oh yeah, but that but that's not the point. The, I just love the cameras, and you just feel like you're watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do I used to do lots of um, bariatric surgeries in the hospital that I worked in, mm-hmm. and I would often have to hold um, like some of the tools. Like they have an assistant assistant as yeah, well, but sometimes yeah. you've got to have an extra pair of hands. Yeah. and there's I couldn't, and it's, even in ENT was the same too. I used to assist in the ENT. And watching the screen and moving my tools would oh, yeah, make no. me physically motion sick. I'd just say, you move it and I'll just hold oh. it where you want it. I'm like, I can't do that. They're like, just a little to the left. And they're like, no, the other left, Kelly, yeah, the move, other one. Like, um, You move your tool one centimetre and it moves like, like 50 centimetres on the screen. <laughs> Anyway. No, it takes a lot of technical skill. Oh, I yeah. think it'd be hard. That's Especially incredible like, to watch. Yeah, um, laparoscopic yeah. suturing would be shit out. Oh, I think yeah. that's why they invented the V-lock suture. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to read just a couple of stories, just two that really stood out to me. One of them made me laugh, and the other one nearly made me cry. <laughs> so the first one was the patient kept sliding off the table. <laughs> So the surgical <laughs> table was malfunctioning, um, going into full Trendelenburg. So it's literally oh. like upside down, like head down. Um, it was tilting on his own and the patient kept sliding off the table and the whole surgical team was trying to hold on to the patient. Um, <laughs> the fix was I slammed the controller against the floor a few times. That was the fix. Patient was okay, yeah. but there was blood everywhere apparently. Turn it off, turn it back on again. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one that's similar to that too. Mm. said, um I was a junior doctor working in neurosurgery back in 2008 when one of the senior registrars told me his most unfortunate moment. 
in order to have patients head stabilized for surgery, he was using a frame that had three a set of three spikes that held the head in place. Due to the angle he needed to approach from, this required the patient to be face down. As he was placing the head of the anaesthetized patient to the frame, the head slipped and the eye landed on the and his eye landed on the spike, perforating the eyeball. Oh my god. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, sorry. Panicking and thinking that his career even happen. Yeah, thinking his career was nearly over. He then, rather bizarrely, started poking at the eyeball, trying to work out what was happened until the anaesthetist told him to stop. Then they called the ophthalmologist who came to tidy up what was now a completely ruined eye. After the surgery, terrified, he went down to explain to the patient what happened. Understandably fearing the worst, anger, distress, tears, he received a response of, oh, that's okay, I was blind in that eye anyway. Oh, my God. Do, do you know there are so many things about this story that I could see happening and then, like, for example, the doctor poking the eyeball, they would have been like, how can I yeah, fix this? Let's investigate. Yeah. Can we pull the eye out and have a look at it? Like I could just imagine that happening in the theatre because surgeons are, like, so intent on fixing things and um, the anaesthetist telling them to stop is, like, <laughs> the anaesthetist is yeah. always advocating for the patient, like, that's enough, thanks. Uh, Rado, moving on. We need to stop, yeah. And... um. I'm sure that the conversation would have gone, oh, your head is far too heavy. Like your head is abnormally heavy and that's why yeah. it slipped. Like it would have been the patient's <laughs> fault. It wouldn't, wouldn't have been the doctor's fault. But um, I'm pretty sure that doctor would have kept operating anyway if they um, like, you know how it said, oh, thinking that their career was going to end. Man, yeah. I'm pretty sure surgeons get away with fucking everything. Of course. They think that they're gods and the people yeah. who employ them think that they're gods. They're the money makers, baby. Yeah, look at um, look at, and that was an accident. And then you look that at was all, those, um, all the killers that we've looked at, and they were yeah. intentional. And then some of them still get to operate, like exactly. Um, I've yeah. got one that absolutely terrified me. And oh, I this is like, this, I thought this could totally happen. Um, this one was called "We Lost a Needle." A needle inside of a man's throat. We were putting up a central line for a drip with an eighteen-gauge needle. In the patient's external jugular, like you can, that, I mean, that's not common, but you, you do no. it occasionally. Yeah. Um, obviously, you do it like a cannula. Um, all of a sudden, the needle went right, in, like went into the jugular. And they're saying that basically, you know, you're supposed to just leave the cannula in there and pull the needle out. Well, the needle didn't come out. The needle got stuck and then basically floated inside the patient's body could find was like the end of it, the um, plastic <laughs> bit. And they're saying before we could even fish it out, it was gone. They looked. At, uh, I looked at the fellow surgeons and nurses before we could do anything. We rushed him right into theatre. After a few minutes, we fished the needle out near his subclavian vein closer towards the shoulder and oh. we breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> um, that scared the living daylights out of me. Like could you imagine like putting an, a cannula into a patient and then pulling the, going to pull the needle out and it's not there? <laughs> Like, I know that's insane. Of, of all the times for something to malfunction, and it's in their external jugular. <laughs> that's like the first time I gave um, insulin to a patient, and I it was a new needle, and I, you know, like one of the all-in-one insulin needles, yeah, and yeah. I went to give it, and then I like took the needle off, and there was no needle on the end of it, and I started poking at her belly, thinking I the needle had broken off inside, and I freaked out, and the oh patient looked at me, and she goes. Um, no, I think it's one of those safety ones. The spring ones. 
<laughs> and then I was holding it up to the window and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. The needle had retracted into the syringe. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was so freaked out. I was like, oh, my God, I lost a needle in your tummy. I'm so oh sorry. And she's God. like, no, nah, I reckon that's a safety one. The girl used it the other day. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Um, you know, like I've had a few oh shit moments, but nothing's been long term terrible. Like, mm. I mean, oh shit stuff happens, especially in theatre, even yeah. though they say like it's a very controlled environment, which it is, but there are things that happen that, oh, you know, are unpredictable. Like this thing here, right out, this, this is just a real little quick one. Way back in the day, pre op was done with an alcohol based cleaner. A naked, sedated guy was. With a light green sheen of cleaning fluid on him, some static electricity equals fully engulfed in flames. <laughs> Everyone just stood there for a second till someone grabbed a sheet, put the flames out. <laughs> Surgery went well. No complications. Slight suntan. Oh, they burnt all the germs off him. <laughs> I can remember doing um like ENT stuff and mm. oh not ENT like facial stuff and you've got like your et tube in with oxygen flowing and you're using diathermy and i can remember the surgeons always saying like there's a risk of yeah flame because you've got oxygen and a you know electrical source yeah Yeah. not that i ever saw anyone catch fire (laughs) that would be fun though could you imagine their mouth (laughs) catching fire or throat um I had a kid, like, because I, I used to work in recovery a bit and, you know, you'd have your tonsil days and stuff. And um, when you're training in recovery, they always say, like, the biggest risk for kids, you know, is laryngospasm. Like, it's um, more common in kids. And anyway, so it's something that you're always aware of, but you don't really know what it looks like until it happens. And I remember I only ever had one, it happened to one kid and um, he must have been about seven, I reckon. And I was just watching him and he was fine and doing all these obs. And then I looked at him again and I thought, God, that looks odd. And this is the whole like, you know, abnormal versus normal kind of situation. And um, I was just looking at him breathe and I could see like he was having some intercostal recession, but everything else looked relatively normal. Um, And then I remember like looking over to my colleague being like, this doesn't look right, this doesn't look right. (laughs) And then I look over at the anaesthetist and he like runs over and starts giving like um, peep or whatever it is. And what happened? Anyway, the child was fine. But I just kind of stood there and watched because I was was a grad at that point. Um, But I just remember thinking, this isn't right. This kid doesn't look right. He looks like he's having a hard time breathing. Yeah, (laughs) And that should have been alarm bells because I didn't diagnose it right away but. When, but if you don't, un, if you don't know, no, exactly. because there's like I remember, um, I've I never witnessed it, but you know where they come out and they're still sedated, but they're awake, not not sedated, paralyzed. The muscle oh, yeah. par- paralysis is still in place, yeah. but they are awake, but they can't tell you. Yeah, in recovery, I remember yeah. people telling me about that. Um, no, I never saw that. I've he- I have heard about it, but I never saw that. We had a patient. <laughs> but I guess patients in ICU a lot of the time are um, conscious but paralysed, aren't they? Uh, don't know. I think it's don't. I don't know. I don't mm. think no. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> I don't tell know. Us. I'm one of our Someone ICU tell us. Yeah. Tell us, Um, I can remember we were doing an ENT surgery once, and um, the patient had a history of being like an IV drug user, and he sat up. We were like mid-septoplasty terbs and 
we were had just been like banging on his nose to mm. straighten out his septum, and he just sat bolt upright oh on the table. <laughs> and then Ethanus was like, oh, "Maybe a bit more propofol for you." Back down you go. <laughs> there we go. Back to sleep. He was so lucky we didn't have any instruments no, up his nose. We could have pierced his brain. I have seen a couple of like scary situations. Um, we had a uh, someone just having like a routine gynae curette or something like that, um, just going to asystole. And then I was oh. working with the registrar um, and he was just like we got along like a house on fire and he was hilarious and we'd always just be talking about the gym or like, you know, typical, yeah. just, I don't know, jock stuff. And um, <laughs> he looked at me and he's like, oh, shit. And then one of my um, teachers at uni I was working with in the theatre as well, and he was like, Alicia, check for a carotid. And I was like, that's a great idea. And like checking for a carotid pulse is fucking hard when they're upside down. I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was oh, like, yeah. I can't feel anything. It's and hard then, at the best of times. I know. And then the Reg is running around and he gives her uh, adrenaline. but And it, her, her, it, all of a sudden it just worked and he goes yeah. oh, i don't know what i would have done if that didn't work <laughs> like probably cpr <laughs> probably yeah and then we yeah. did a um we were doing our first open prostatectomy um yeah. in the theater so the surgeon normally did it at another hospital and just did like a laser one with us mm-hmm. um but he had decided to to start doing opens with us because he trusted us and um, so it was like our first time doing one and so I was scrubbed and um, the patient was losing a lot of blood. Like I was giving over swab stick after swab stick like, and mm-hmm. I'm talking 50, 60 Ratex and um, packs and, you know, like. And the anaesthetist just pops his head up over the barrel, you know, how you have the curtain mm-hmm. up. Um, just wondering how much blood this gentleman might be losing. And this is a very important lesson. I actually couldn't see my suction bottles. Mm. So when they moved the diathermy machine and I looked at the suction bottle, along with like, you know, 40 or 50 soaked blood latex, there was nearly a litre of blood in the suction. Mm. And so <laughs> we were like, is everything okay? <laughs> it's like, well, it's just a little bit hypo. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I think we need to stop for a minute and get some blood into him. Oh and God. so we literally just had to pack his abdomen and sit and there wait. scrubbed mm. while we got the blood up. Um, and they gave him like a blood transfusion and then we could get going again. And the surgeon, who was very, he was an amazing surgeon, and his assistant was the granddaddy of prostate surgery he actually had invented this particular type of removal so they were very experienced doctors in there the only unexperienced one was me they've (laughs) never done one before (laughs) and so um yeah so they were all very calm like it was super calm and chilled and like controlled and everything and I was and it took I don't know four and a half hours and it should have only taken two yeah and he went to ICU afterwards. And then the next time we did one the next week and we were, like, so prepped. We were so, like, prepared. Ready. And it took, um, like, just under two hours with, like, 200 mil of blood loss <laughs> and only, like, eight swab sticks. <laughs> and he was like, this is how it should be. Turned out that other bloke had been taking um, high doses of fish oil 
And when they were told him to stop like blood thinning tablets, he didn't stop that because they didn't realise it thins the blood. Yeah. Mm. I think um, it's so like, you know, every surgery is different like what you've just said and I think, you know, we would go through periods where I used to work of just doing lap collie after lap mm. collie. And some days if you had four booked in a day, you're like, fucking hell. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'd have other stuff maybe usually, but um, depending on the surgeon and how fast <laughs> they are. But um, I think you can have, you know, three that go exactly the same and then the fourth one, your surgeon hits a bleeder and you just think, fuck, fuck. <laughs> That's your oh shit moment. You're like, yeah. Oh, we were having such a good day, and if they don't get this bleeder under control, and I think it's so hard because as soon as if blood hits that camera, it's like a two second delay. You got to get the camera out and clean it and put it back in and hope that you don't hit the blood again. Like, yeah, um, you lose all your visual. And I think like you could be having such a great day, and then someone hits a bleeder, and then all of a sudden your surgeon's got a bee in his bonnet, and he's losing his fucking marbles, and then everyone else is running around like. And, you know, it's just – and, I mean, that adds a bit of excitement, I guess, but you don't really hope for that <laughs> because no. then your your um, lap collie could turn into an open and it's just how – Oh, there's works. nothing worse than having to convert to open from a like a lap even though you have it mm. all set up outside the theatre ready to go because you've always prepared. Yeah. But when they, like, call for the open kit, you're like, oh. <sighs> especially if you're on call. You're well, like, yeah. here we or go. If, if now I'm like, staying back. If you're, <laughs> yeah, if you're expecting to finish like on time, you're like, God damn it. Um, I will never, like, I think I've said this before, but um, we used to do Caesars on a Tuesday and my um, mentor would say like a Caesar is the biggest operation that you'll do here because mm-hmm. at any point it can turn into an emergency hysterectomy and that can be life-changing for the people yeah. involved and, and the people can die. And so that's a big, like, it always kind of stuck with me. And so every time you'd set up for a Caesar, you'd have that um, hysterectomy tray in the bottom of, like, you know, ready to go. And luckily, touch wood, I never had to be a part of one of those because that would have been awful. But um, I think um, when I had Amelia, so obviously I was working in theatre when I um, had Amelia, so I'd had finished work and then four weeks later I was in an operating theatre mm-hmm. and I'll never forget, <laughs> forget. So they put the epidural in or the mm-hmm. spinal in and then I'm on the bed and the surgeon says, um, ready for knife to skin? And I was like, I can still feel, I can feel something. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't did anyone do a timeout. I can feel it. I can feel you. <laughs> And then Ethanus just put his head down next to my ear and he said, remember, like because they all knew I worked in theatre, Yeah, remember you can feel pressure. Like you, you're going to feel things but you won't feel pain. Yeah. Only like you'll only feel pressure. And he's like, can you feel anything? And I said, I can feel them tugging. He said, yes, that's because they're about to rip open your abdomen. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I think that's another one of those nurse brain versus mum brain, like your, oh, your nurse brain just disappears. Yeah. And it was so funny because I was lying there and I was like, right, I could hear them diatherming and I was like, they've made it through like my yes. my abdomen fat and now they're in my uterus and then I could feel them tugging and I was like could going side see, to side. Could you see and I was, in our theatre we um, 
the mums could always look up at the lights oh, and see no. the reflection of the baby like being born basically. I wanted someone to video it, right? Yeah. Cam refused to look. He's like, I'm not looking. The nurse, the anaesthetic tech, she's like, I'm far too busy. Oh, oh, Doing what? It's two thirty in the my morning. Only baby. Jesus. So I was like, really wanting someone to take photos of it. Too busy in the fucking Caesar. What drawing exactly. up the oxytocin? After forty five minutes, when she still wasn't out, I started to get a bit panicked. Yeah, of course. Because I know they're out in like ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. pulling the baby out's the quickest thing. Yeah, and I felt like they were up in my throat. Like I felt like they were so yeah. high up in me. She was just really stuck, and my placenta was like really stuck so they were trying to be very careful mm. not to rip it and to for me to have a big bleed um and then once they got her out when they were stitching up I was like I can feel them I can move my toes the spinal's wearing off like <laughs> and Ethan always- is like I'm gonna bloody sedate you in a minute like <laughs> You know, when they use those like Bonnie um, forceps to do a pinch test and those things look like fucking vicious, like sharp um, teeth on the end of them. And I always think like for anyone who doesn't know, before they do a Caesar and they test if the spinal's working, the surgeon will just like pinch where they're about to cut to make sure that the patient can't feel pain. And they use these horrific forceps and they pinch the skin. And I always think... Too bad if the spinal hasn't started working yet because you've just yeah. like almost, I don't know, what the, what is the equivalent? Like I can't even. I can't, it's like, like when, um, I don't even know. Oh. It, it's literally like just getting Toothed. a pair of pliers and yeah. just pinching someone's skin really hard. Yeah. But sharp pliers. I never Awful. felt any pain. Just a lot of tugging and pulling and like no, smelling my own diathermy, which is fine. And I smelling don't smell the, it um, I don't know, Caesar blood. Caesars just stink. Oh, oh that fluid. Ugh. Um, I've got a cool story that I got oh, off yeah, Reddit. Yeah. It's not a disaster. It's like a, a fun thing. Okay. So this um lady, here we go. I'll read it all out. I, was, I haven't read the first line. It took me by surprise. <laughs> Jamie Hilton had a wonderful life. She was married with kids and was considered one of the most beautiful women in the U.S., I don't know who considered that, but anyway. (laughs) Oh, well, she was once crowned Mrs. Idaho and even competed in Mrs. America. Is there a Mrs. America? Miss America? Anyway. But things took a sharp turn in June 2012. While fishing trip with her husband, Hilton took a four-metre fall and smashed her head against a rock. By the time she reached the hospital, Hilton's brain was swelling at an alarming rate. Doctors needed to relieve the pressure so they removed 25% of her skull. They didn't want to waste so much perfectly good bone matter and after her brain returned to a normal size, they plan on putting the skull back in. What would they do in the meantime, you ask? Well, the solution was simple. They sewed it into her abdomen. By putting the skull under the skin, the doctors hoped the body would keep the tissue alive and healthy. In the meantime, Jamie wore a helmet to keep her head safe from further trauma. 42 days later, the doctors opened up her abdomen, sliced open her head and bolted the skull back in. Oh, my gosh. How cool is that? That is so cool. I've actually heard of them doing that with other parts of the body too. I can't remember. Like even for skin grafting. I remember watching someone that had skin on their hand or their arm or something and they actually sewed it into their abdomen so that the skin would grow over it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love to hear about more of that. Someone had a penis attached 
they were growing a penis off their arm or something or their abdomen. <laughs> I don't believe you. For- no, I'll find the story. Rosie Waterland talks about it on her podcast, oh Just the God. Gist. She keeps trying to give us updates about it. Um, <laughs> about the penis arm. Penis, yeah. Um, um, penis. I, I need to find the it. The extra appendage. Funny. Yeah. But they do that even like to grow, um, you know, they put in like implants shaped like ears and then they stretch the skin around it in the abdomen so that they can rebuild like ears or, right. yeah, it's very cool. It is fascinating. I so dropped cool. a bit of skull bone in a th- surgery once that we were doing. I dropped a toe. <laughs> but we didn't need it. <laughs> oh, well, we needed this skull. And I, the surgeon just handed it to me and it just fell straight through my fingers. And then your first thing and you I do went, is look straight <gasps> at the surgeon. I just went, oh, shit. And he's like, it's fine, it's fine. He's like, just get a container with some peroxide and some vancomycin, yeah. put the bone in it, a bit of betadine, and be it, let it soak and we'll use it because we were just mushing it up to build a, um, or he was reshaping it to build a bit of facial bone. Um, yeah, so we just, the scout nurse had to pick it up from underneath my feet, put it in a bowl. <laughs> Things can go wrong, but things I will generally say, I've seen, always go well. I've seen a surgeon. <laughs> this is terrible. I've seen a surgeon fish something out of a sharp's bin to send off to pathology that she accidentally threw away. Oop a days. days. <laughs> Do not recommend. Do not recommend. Actually, I see one of your comments on our little run sheet here about your pain fellow. Oh, yes. Should I, I tell everyone about that? So before you do, one of the anaesthetists that I work, used to work with, when he was putting in the drip at the start to put them to sleep, mm-hmm. he'd be like, and off we go to the land of morphia. <laughs> you will be taken away and enjoy the floating. And he'd like always come out with something really weird. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> like to send them off to sleep in like that a really great. calm state. That's great. <laughs> That's to be honest, if I was an anaesthetist, that would be my favorite part of like imprinting yeah. things for them to think yeah. about while they're sleeping. So kids are the best. Like if you sing to them while you're putting them under, they'll wake up in recovery. So if you're like, ba ba black sheep, yeah. have you any? Well, they wake up in the recovery. Yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> over that. <laughs> um I, yeah, I, so I worked with this amazing pain fellow. He's from New Zealand. I actually can't remember his name. I feel really bad. Um, but he used to be like right on the cutting edge of what was the latest in pain technology and like treatment and medicine. And he used to draw up like a 50 mil syringe and I don't know what the fuck he would put in this thing. I know that there was definitely propofol and ketamine, but I'm sure that there were like two or three other drugs. <laughs> and, um, and he would just hand it to me and like this was when we had like trauma patients or, um, you know, uh, elderly people with broken hips who are, you know, off the planet or whatever and you have to roll yeah. them or you have to position them and then the, um, they'll put in a spinal or whatever. And I used to love helping with that because he would hand me this giant syringe and be like, now you just give as much as I tell you. And like, and he goes, and watch his face. I want you to tell me like what his face is doing or whatever. So then I'd be standing there with this like giant Michael Jackson (laughs) syringe. And, um, and then he'd be like, righto, three mil. And I'd push three mil on this patient and be like, what? Yeah, no one might. Where are we going in this thing? 
great. <laughs> or they'd start like plucking Love it. stuff, like they'd just be reaching out for anything that they yeah. loose. It was amazing. But they yeah. always had a really good experience. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. So I really loved that. Um, do you know, one thing that I really wanted to talk about was something that the first time I ever saw this piece of equipment in theatre, I shit a brick because it is the most horrifying thing I think I've ever seen <laughs> and it's yeah. archaic. It's called a Lone Star Retractor. Oh. If you don't know what it is, <laughs> go and look it up. Because the first time I ever scrubbed for, I don't even know, it must have been like a um, vaginal repair or something. And out comes this retractor. The retractor looks fine. It looks lovely. In fact, it's like two circles joined together. So like two C's almost. like Very useful. Oh, fascinating, right? And I see this thing. I'm like, oh, that looks lovely. And then someone hands (gasps) me these jelly things with a big hook or a little hook on the end, little sharp hook on the end. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with these? Oh, you hook the labia and connect it up to the um, retractor. So in the end, and if you look at, if if you put into Google Lone Star Retractor in situ, I'm sure you will find something equally horrifying. And, I only um, ever use Lone Star Retractors for open abdo stuff. Oh, I didn't know you could use them for abdo. We never use them for abdo. We used other kinds of retractors for abdo, like a Balfordoyan. Balfordoyan. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that word in a long time. But um, are you Googling Lone Star Retractor right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm going to – I want to see a picture, Lone Star Retractor. In, in situ. In situ. Uh, maybe it's not a. Maybe it's not the one it's I'm thinking different. of. Yeah. This is, they um, still had all the like, jelly hooks. If you picture like a heap of hooks on the inside of a vagina and then just like reefing outward, oh, it is wow. terrifying. It's like it's like a spider's web, <laughs> but but worse. I I can't even I can't even like pick you know describe it. Oh, it's terrifying. Oh, <laughs> you looking yeah, at one? Uh, mm Hmm. Don't Google that. If you like your labia to remain in place, do not. Well, this is the thing. I was like, um, we are basically sticking like 15 needles into this girl's fishing vagina. Hooks. Like, yes, fish hooks. Fishing. fishing hooks. Seriously, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like something out of, um, out of, what's that? Um, oh, fuck, I can't think of that movie. Like nurse Rat. Saw. Saw. Oh, yeah. Saw. Do you know, the, we should. I know initially we were going to talk about like the history of surgery, but I reckon that's something we should look at, like go back and do a bit of, you know, because did you do oh, yeah. the um, the tour at um, Ara- Ararat and they take you into the theatres there and they talk about how they used to anaesthetise them in equation. Equation, uh, yeah, quotes. vaguely. I, yeah, I should do some. We, we did should, the day anyway. tour at Aradale and did yeah. the night tour at the jail. Oh yeah, the um, the what was it? The it was like a um psychiatric jail or something. Mm, forensic for criminally insane. That's what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of the equipment theatre uses is very archaic. I think looking the funny, but very high tech. Oh, really? I've got some examples <laughs> of things that are not very high tech. <laughs> so in theatre, sometimes things can do two things. So sometimes things that can be used for a purpose other than what they were designed for. Mm-hmm. 
And I have a few examples. So one time, so in in Guyane, you have these like suction curettes, which aren't really curettes. They're like a straw with a hole yep. in, like with a hole on the side at the end. And they're like used to do, you know, suction curettes, whatever. Yep. Well, I once saw a surgeon use it after taking out a big back lipoma. And he was oh, like, well, yeah. go and get me the Guyane suction stuff. And we get it all out and he basically like gives this person liposuction <laughs> in their back with this like vaginal catheter. It was great. But he was like, this is pretty much liposuction. Like this is how they do it. And it was well, awful. Well, you're literally looking. sucking out the fat. Fat. Which is liposuction. Exactly what, yeah. Yeah. But the way that they do it, they like jam it in and out, in and out, in and out. Like, They're just not doing it with the old, like because true liposuction uses like ultrasonic sounds to break down the fat to liquidize it. Oh, whereas this... <laughs> This one, you're just manually doing it. (laughs) Um, I've seen peri pads used as pressure dressings. That's probably pretty common. And one of my favourites is using glove fingers as tourniquets Mm. or like so they cut the finger off a glove and then cut the tip off it and then roll it down a finger and use it as a little mini tourniquet. I don't know how much it would do. Yeah. But um, I've seen them use gloves like when you have to operate on a foot or something. Yes, to they cover the toes. To cover the toes because <laughs> yeah. they're so dirty. <laughs> so they prep all the yep. toes and then they'll still cover them cover them. Um, with a glove, which is yeah. pretty funny. Um, what else have I seen? I've, buckets as specimen containers. Yes. Like giant Especially buckets. when you... It's well, like when you're taking off, you're sending off a breast or... Oh, yeah. Um, they have to go in a bucket. Yeah, but I'm... Yeah. Yeah. We used to use a lot of condoms in um, urology because we would do like trust biopsies. So you have to put a condom over the, the transducer that's going up the rectum. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But don't, do they have specific condoms for them? They're not like. Well, I mean, you're not ripping open a packet of Duracell. No, not Duracell. Yeah. <laughs> what are they called? I don't know. <laughs> it's been a while since I've, I've used a condom. <laughs> Bit of. I really yeah, don't even know. I mean, they're just like, they literally just look Duracell's like condoms, a, but they're just no, like. No, Duracell's are a um, batteries. <laughs> That's what you've been buying. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah, but I I can't think of anything. I know you, you mentioned this to me last night, but I couldn't think of anything that I used that was weird. I don't know. I feel like sometimes the surgeon will be like, is there anything that does this? And you'll be racking your brain going, yeah. oh, maybe from plastics or maybe on this tray. Yeah. So you open a whole tray to get oh. this one thing that they use for 10 seconds and they go, oh, it's not working. Like, yeah, well, CSSD are like, fuck you guys. <laughs> fuck you. I mean, uh, obviously in the operating theatre they use, we use, I remember um, in ortho, well, even in um, ENT, we used to use like a rubber mallet. Just one you get from Bunnings that to do like tapping on the nose. And in theatre they use like in I keep saying in theatre, in ortho they use um literally use drills. Yeah. And saws. And screws. And nails, screws. Cement. Wires. Pliers. Bone cement. Files. Yeah. They use like <laughs> bone files. Oh, we used to have to file down the noses when we were doing like Rhino pasties. Gross. Anyway, it's pretty cool. I love theatre. Cool. We could talk I about theatre all day. You I like probably little ortho. I don't like big ortho. Oh, do you? Yeah, I don't like ortho at all. I don't mind doing like some, some little orifs. I love little orifs. I could do little orifs Like for your bones and fingers. But the yeah. plastics team do them more than the orthos because yeah. the orthos like big stuff. Yeah. A finger bone's not a true bone. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I like little orifs. I like any surgery you can sit down in and with hands you can usually sit down. <laughs> I like, oh, I quite liked gynae even though it was disgusting. It was just easy. I didn't do a lot of gynae. I, I did. did. I specialised in urology. And gynae, ENT. general urology, ENT, which I re- never scrubbed for. Like I just never learned. I always oh, did I loved ENT. And then general and dental. Oh, I never <laughs> did, did you ever dental. have dental days? No, because oh. we're a pri- private hospital. Dental no, days dental. are a bludge. If you ever get to um, – <laughs> I spat on the microphone. <laughs> oh. um, if you ever get to go to a dental day – well, I mean, I hate teeth, but as far as like you just anaesthetise them and then you sit down and wait for the dentist to finish. Rip and them then, out. And if, if you're scrubbing and scouting, like <laughs> you don't even – I don't even think you count anything. You might count. If no, you well, you haven't needle. opened a cavity, have you? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so the operating room can be fun and stressful and chaotic and hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Some of the best conversations. Doctors are different people in theatre. Oh, yeah. They're like yeah. amazing. Um, and if you don't really like patients, I mean, they're anaesthetized, so they're the best I kind. When I was looking I, at the end of my grad year, I said to Mick, like, oh, where do you think, like, well, I really don't know if I should specialize. Like, I love doing kids, but I love theatre and really not sure and he was like well what are your favorite kind of patients and I'm like healthy ones (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) well don't aren't a lot of your theater cases like elective surgeries I'm like yeah he goes well there's Mm. your answer yeah (laughs) (laughs) so then yeah Uh, um yeah too easy I just yeah. stayed in theatre because I loved it. And I mean, then it got too hard to, when I had a baby. Yeah. So. I think you do get to build relationships with patients. I think that's maybe a bit yeah. of a misconception because I yeah. started in Scrub Scout. And then when I went to anaesthetics, I was like, oh, this is great. I can chat to people before they go off to sleep yeah. and like make them feel calm and just talk shit and yeah. then um, see them in recovery and let them know it all went well. And that's nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I did. That's I think that's probably why I really loved anesthetics and recovery because you get to just have a little chat. It's like um from Fight Club, you know, single serving friends. Yes, single, yeah. single serving <laughs> patients. Like you see them once and then you don't see them again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Off they go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, we've uh, this has been really good. I've really enjoyed this topic. Yeah. Um, same. Please send if if you can if you can tell us any of your um theatre stories or if you've got an oh shit moment we'd love to hear about it send Absolutely. us any funny scary interesting anything really stories um don't forget to follow us on socials if you're not already at two humorous nurses podcast or you can send us an email to humorous nurses at gmail.com that's humorous like the bone h-u-m-e-r-u-s bye, bye.